How are you guys? You guys are good? Yeah? Everyone good? Welcome to the service. Um, I just want to welcome you once again. It's, it's been such an amazing service, right? Yeah. Worship was incredible. I, um, I came a little bit before worship ended, and I, I came to the side back here behind the door, and I just had such a great time in the presence. So good. Don't you guys feel good? I feel good. I'm really excited for this series that we're about to go into. Um, I'm excited. This is the first part of a heavenly marriage series. Yay. And I'm really excited because this is the first time that Mario and I do a series together. I mean, I've never done a series before. One time, jokingly, I said to him, honey, I'm going to do a series. It's going to be seven weeks of just intensely talking about, he was like listening, and I'm like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do a series. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's the first time that we get to do a series together, and it's, it's really exciting. I'm excited for the first part. Um, so we're going to be talking about marriage, and if you don't know, I'm, I'm married, um, and Mario's married, so ladies, don't think about it. Uh, but, uh, so, you know, we're married, and we love marriage. I love being married. It's, it's, it's really good. I love waking up next to him. Sometimes it's pleasant. Sometimes it's not. But either way, it's a joy. And um, we've been married for seven years and nine months. Seven years and nine months. I feel proud of that. Some of you in here are laughing like seven years. <laughs> um, but it's seven years, nine months. Um, we're going to be married, or our eighth year anniversary is coming up in April, April 22nd. Our boyfriend and girlfriend anniversary is coming up in April also, April 24th. <laughs> No, we don't celebrate that anymore. Um, but yeah, we're going to be married for eight years. And it's been amazing. It's been a great eight years. Um, a lot has happened. Um, you would think, you know, it's eight years. Like, what, what, what could have happened? But a lot has happened in our marriage so far in, uh, in these eight years that we've been, or seven to nine months, actually, that, that we've been together and, and married and just trying to to merge two separate individuals into one. Um, there's a process that happens when you first get married. It's a process of, of coming together and to be one. And that doesn't happen overnight. A lot of us wish it did. I wish that Mario can just merge into me and he can do everything like I, I do it. And that can happen overnight, but it didn't happen that way and it hasn't. I'm still praying for that. But... <laughs> But it's a process. It's a process to, to come together and, and be this one human who is one human. Yeah. So a while ago, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Or, yeah, it was a couple of weeks ago. Mario hurt his back. And um, he was having a hard time sleeping at night. You know, he threw his back out. And there was times during that week where, you know, he had a hard time sleeping at night. And a lot of you guys may think, oh, you know, that's really sad. And it was, it was sad for me to see him in that much pain. 
But there were, there were some nights where he needed to wake up in the middle of the night, like at 2, 3, 4, 5.55, five minutes before I have to wake up. And uh, he would wake up and he needed, he needed something. You know, he needed me to rub his back or just rub some icy hot on or just pray or whatever. But what would happen was that I'm sleeping. You get me? I'm sleeping. And I don't know about you, but I, I actually enjoy the process of rest. How many of you guys enjoy resting? <laughs> I enjoy rest. And it's not selfish, right? I, I tell myself that now. But um, I enjoy resting. I really do. Especially after like a hard day at work. Especially if the night before um, we went to sleep late watching or praying or whatever. You know, and to wake up the next or to wake up in the middle of the night. To have that rest interrupted for me is really tough. Because I'm the type of person that needs eight hours of sleep. Like, I need to get in my eight hours. Amen, right? You said amen? Yeah. I need my eight hours. If I don't get my eight hours, the next morning, it's hard for me to function. Like, I feel like the morning drags or the day drags, and I just feel so tired. And the funny thing about sleep is that once you lose it, like, it's gone forever. Like, you can't, you can't make up sleep. Like, it's just gone. Where it goes, I don't know, but it just, it's gone forever. And, you know, you can't get it back. So I value sleep and I value rest. I, I think it's important. So at times where, you know, and it's happened, you know, with both of us where he has to wake up, I have a nightmare, and he has to wake up and pray for me or whatever. Like, it, 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 it's tough to do that. You have to be really selfless at that moment to get up and actually, like, function and do it right. Because it's very easy to just kind of, like, get up, get some icy hot, and just, like, <sighs> okay, you're good, right? Yeah. It's easy to do that, but to actually like rub that stuff in, and then after that, you have to go wash your hands, and then you're in the restroom, so you might as well go to the restroom. And it's, you know, it's a whole process. Like, you're, you're basically awake, like, you've woken up. And for me, you would think that I would have it down to a science, but every night I have to refigure out my sweet spot again in bed. Like, I've been, my sleeping career has been a long one, and, <laughs> but every night I still have to figure out my spot. Like, my pillow has to be a certain angle, and my arm has to be like this, or like, oh, I don't know, but I have to figure it all out. So once I'm awake, I have to refigure out my sweet spot so that I can go to sleep. So waking up for me, as you can tell, <laughs> to rub icy hot on my husband who is in pain is big. It's a big sacrifice for me. <laughs> it's a big sacrifice for me at times, but I do it anyway. You know, I get up. Sometimes I am half asleep, and he'll tell me, honey, can you, can you do it right? And I'm just like, oh, I just did it. Okay, fine. So I have to, like, re-put the icy hot and just bandage him up sometimes. And, yeah. So, I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes he does it with me, too. I'm saying a lot, aren't I? <laughs> Okay, let's just move forward. So, sacrifice, as I've painted, is not easy in marriage. It's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy to put aside yourself and your desires 
and everything that makes you happy, like sleeping, to go help your spouse. And you may think, but you love him. Like, it's easy. Like, how, you know, it's, it's not easy. It's, it's tough sometimes. And not only with sleep, but with many other things. Um, there's, there's a lot of sacrifice um, that goes in when you get married. It's like one of the main principles of marriage is sacrifice. You have to sacrifice. And you're going to hear that word a lot today. I, 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 am, I plan to just embed it in your mind. And hopefully you get the action of it. But in marriage, like I said, you have to be very, very, very selfless. You have to be willing to put yourself aside for the needs of your spouse. In sickness and in health. In good times and in bad times. You have to put whatever you need to put aside for them. No matter how you feel, you have to put it aside for them. Because we love our spouses, right? Amen. Amen. We love them, right? All right, I'm not so convinced. Um, But yeah, we love each other. So in marriage, we have to put a lot aside, especially um, also in arguing. (sighs) Yes, I'm going to admit it, Mario and I fight sometimes. But um, we argue sometimes, and it's really, it can be really intense. Uh, debating is what we call it, intense debating that we, uh, that we involve ourselves in, you know, once every Tuesday. No, <laughs> but um, we, we, we do fight, we do argue, and sometimes we find ourselves arguing about the silliest things, but none of us wants to give up our point. Like, I don't want to give up my point because I'm right. But um, when it comes to arguing sometimes, you know, we, it's, it's difficult to let go of, of your position, especially when you feel as though you are right. Like when I feel I'm right, I, I want to like present evidence to him and just present it all to him. Like I feel like putting a PowerPoint presentation with bullet points and everything and like slides and all to just show him how wrong he is and how right I am. And he's the same, you know, he does his thing and he uses big fancy words to trick me and fool me. And, uh, <laughs> and none of us want to give up our position because we both want to be the winner. We both want to be right. But one thing that I've been discovering in these past seven, seven and plus years is that in marriage, there's no individual. Like, it's two of us. So... I'm really not fighting against him, and he's not fighting against me. Like, there shouldn't be sides. In your home, there shouldn't be two teams. There should be one team, and that team is the Patriots. <laughs> no, but there's, there should only be one team, and that's us, the team of us. So if, if we're in an argument and I lose the argument, guess what? He loses the argument too. Or if we're in an argument and, and I lose, or why vice versa, we lose. If one of us lose, we both lose. There's no lose-win because we're one team. And if we're one team, then we either both win or we either both lose. And so, sacrifice. A while ago, it, it, it's been about a couple years now, um, we were engaged in one of these um, heated debates in the car. And... 
we were both quiet. I don't know if you've ever had this experience where it's, it's in the car, you're driving somewhere, and it's just awkward because you're both just quiet, and you're just stuck in your madness, and then he's just stuck in his madness, and you're both just mad and angry at each other, and you even put the window down mad, like, <laughs> or like whatever you do, you do it mad, like you put your seatbelt on, like, and like everything you do, you do it mad, just to prove to him how mad you are. You turn the radio down mad, like everything, you do it mad because you want him to know that you're upset. And of course, we don't use our words because why should we, right? Um, but anyway, there was this one time where we were both really mad and we were in the car and um, I don't remember what we were arguing about. I, I don't remember why. But what I do remember is that um, I felt like he had insulted me. And I was mad, and, and, and in my anger to myself, <coughs> I said, he should know how to fix this fight. How dare, like, why is he taking so long to step in and fix this argument? Because he did the wrong. He insulted me. He made me feel this way. He knows me. He knows how I am. He knows how I react to things. So he should know how to fix this. And I was just stuck in that. Like, he should know how to fix this problem. And then, you know, as I'm just kind of, like, moving in my anger, the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he says the most amazing phrase uh, that I've heard in a long time. Just, I, it's, it's just such an amazing thing that he said to me. And it, it completely changed my approach to us arguing. I was stuck in this, in this mentality of like, he should know best. But the Holy Spirit told me, well, what if he doesn't know how to fix this? What if he genuinely doesn't know what to say to make you feel better? What then? And then I said to him, but he should know. Like, he should know what to do. And Holy Spirit told me, but what if he doesn't? What are you going to do? And I said, well, you got me. I have no idea what to do. I, I don't know. And he said, well, this is what you do. You have to put aside your anger. You have to put aside your pride, your emotions. You have to just put them aside and share with him what's going on inside of you. And tell him what it is that you're feeling and how it is and, and what it is that you need from him to make the situation better. What are you gonna do for the sake of your marriage? What are you gonna do to just end this fight and move on? And I said, oh, you're right. You're so right, Holy Spirit. And so I told Mario, still mad because I'm still mad. I told him, well, I just need you to listen to me. And I just kind of started going off. But I broke our silence. And as you know, the first one that breaks the silence win, I mean, loses. So um, I was fine with that. But, uh, <laughs> but I broke the silence and I said, this is what I need from you. Like right now, I feel this way. I feel insulted. I feel like you, I don't even remember what I said to him, but I, I basically expressed myself to him and told him what I was feeling and told him what I needed from him. And he said, I'm sorry. I didn't expect him to say, I'm sorry. I didn't expect him to give in, but he gave in. And the Holy Spirit was right. See, what happens is that when you get angry, the only thing that overcomes anger is love. 
So if you respond in, in an angry situation with anger, it's only going to make things worse. But if you respond, if, if you're able to just gather yourself, and for the sake of your team, if you're able to just gather yourself and put aside all of your emotions, let go of your pride, and just break that silence with love, then love wins. Love will always win if you let it. So that's what happened at that time. Sacrifice is very, very important. I believe that when Jesus came on this earth, he changed sacrifice forever. Like he changed what sacrifice would be forever. Now what Jesus did is he redefined that word sacrifice. He gave it its pure meaning. His sacrifice was the ultimate sacrifice. And after that, just everything, everything changed. He opened up our eyes. He opened up our hearts and our spirits to a new understanding. In the past, those things weren't really highlighted. In the past, in the Old Testament, people didn't really focus on the soul. Like, we didn't really focus on that. We focused more on the outer. Like, as long as your linens were clean, as long as that, that bull took your, your punishment, he took your sins, you're good on the outside, you're forgiven for that whole year until you have to do it again the next year. In the Old Testament, if you, I'm sure we've all read it, but when you, when you look for this, the inside of, of people isn't really what we, we see. Like, we don't really see a big focus on people's souls and on people's insides and how people are on the inside. But we see more of the outside. We have these rules, the Ten Commandments, which to me I think are easier to follow than, than where we are now. It's harder to live in grace than it is to have these rules on you and follow rules and check them off. But in the past, it was most, what was mostly focused, or what people mostly focused on was how you were doing on the outside. But when Jesus came, he opened it all up. And he cares more about, he cares more about what's, on, what's in the inside of you. What's going on with your soul? What's going on with your mind? How are you doing on the inside? How is your marriage? How is your relationship with your husband, with your wife? How do you see each other? How do you think of one another? Do you say everything to each other? Are you open? Are you free? Have you created a, a safe space for you guys to be able to just let go and, and, and open and just release everything that you're thinking about? That's what God cares about. He wants to know what's going on inside of us. That's what's most important for him. Because when you're okay on the inside, then that will reflect on the outside. So to him, the inside is mostly important. Amen? Jesus is so invested in our relationships that he cares that our relationships are well. He cares about the state of you in that relationship. He's really invested in us. He's so invested in our relationships with each other and our relationship with him. He's super, super invested in that, and he really, really cares the Bible says that we love because he loved us first. We, we, everything that we do is empowered by what he did already. Like everything that we're able to do, everything that we're free to do now is just a chain reaction. It's just the cause of what he did on that cross, of that sacrifice that he made for us. 
He cares about you and me. He cares about us. I don't know if you guys have ever been in a relationship like this, but before I was married, I witnessed things like that, and I think I personally was in a relationship like this, where there was one person in that relationship that was more invested than the other. Have you guys been in that situation? Where like it's either the girl or the boy, whoever it is, it, like you can tell that they're in it more than the other person. And in marriage, that's not a good thing. In marriage, it's not about 50-50, but it's about going all the way for each other. And what God does, what Jesus does, is that he goes all the way for us. He is so invested in us, in his relationship with us, that he doesn't mind being the one that is in it the most. He doesn't care for that. He is okay with him loving us more than we love him. And that's perfectly fine. We can boast about how much Jesus loves us. And that's, that's a great thing. That's a really good thing. Because who better to love us and who better to be so invested in us but Jesus, right? So if Jesus cares so much about our relationship with him, imagine how much he cares also about our relationship with each other. In marriage, it's, it's, it's been said before that, you know, we give 50-50. Like, I'll meet you there. I'll meet you halfway. But what happens is that if I come halfway and you come halfway, we're just here in the middle. And we, we kind of end up in the same place that we were before in a way. We've just moved a little closer. In marriage, and I want to tell you guys, I know that not everyone in here is married, and that's okay. But it's important that you guys understand that. How many single people, people are in here? It's better that you understand this now. It's better that you get to, to this mentality of things now. Because in, in the day when you get married, you can basically just hit the ground running and have a successful marriage. God has placed a passion in Mario and me for happy, successful, healthy marriages. We want to see you guys all married and all happy in your marriage. All having a nice, healthy marriage where you communicate with each other, where everything is good. Yeah, you have your problems, but for the most part, it's solid because Jesus is at the center of it. That's what our passion is, or one of our passions and desires are, that you all, that you all get married and have healthy marriages. And for those that are already married, that you continue with a healthy marriage. That's what our passion is. So what God wants us to do, the example that Jesus has given us, is Jesus goes all the way for us. He gives his 100 for us. So in marriage, in relationship, we have to do the same. I have to go 100 for Mario, and he has to come 100 for me. I have to go all the way where he's at and bring him to where we need to be. And he needs to do the same. He needs to come meet me where I'm at. And bring me to where we need to be as a couple, as a marriage, as one. We need to do that for each other. But if we just meet each other halfway, we're really not doing much for our team. Jesus is the ultimate husband. And we are his bride. He is the ultimate husband to us. He has given us such a great example of what a marriage should be, what a heavenly marriage should be. And that's amazing. 
He left so much for us. He cares so much for us that he left it all for us so that we can live successfully, so that we can live whole, so that our souls can be healthy and good and, and happy and at peace. That's what he wants for us. Jesus showed us to care about our insides. When, when he was on this earth, he highlighted a couple things. You know, he said, you know, if, if you look at a woman with lust, you're already committing adultery with her in your heart. If you look at somebody and in your heart you hate that person, you, you're already murdering them in your heart. So do we, do we see the magnitude of what he did? He opened up so much for us. He opened up a lot for us, for us to examine the state of our hearts and the state of our souls. He did that because he wants us to live a, a healthy life. Amen? You're with me still? Okay. So let's go to the Bible. And we're going to go to the book of Hosea. And I know that, um, I think you guys read this a couple weeks back. But God was just putting it in my heart to, to talk to you guys about Hosea. So if we can go to Hosea chapter 3, verse 1. Now before we start reading, uh, don't you cheat and read ahead. Um, before we start reading, I want to give you a little bit of a backstory. So Hosea was the prophet at the time. He was a prophet at that time for the Israelites. He was a respected man of God. And what had happened at that time was that the people of Israel, the Israelites, they had started to take on other gods and worship other gods. They fell in love with worshiping other gods, the Bible says. And if we know the Israelites, we know that this has been the constant thing for him ever since they um, were freed from Egypt. This has been a constant thing for them. They, they go back to worshiping other gods. God shows them, shows them this great miracle. They come back to God. And then again, they revert back. It's kind of annoying if you read it, especially if you ever read Exodus. You will find yourself super annoyed. Whenever I read Exodus, I want to take the whole Israel nation and just shake up. No. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just funny how they are. But What's happening here in this time of Hosea is it's another instance where the people of Israel has le have left the ways of the Lord and started to worship other gods. And, Ho and God wants to, wants to make a point. He wants to make a grand point through Hosea. And so he tells Hosea, Hosea, I want you to marry Gomer. And I'm sure Hosea didn't want to do it. I'm sure Hosea was like, Gomer? Really? But she's, you know, you know who she is. You know Gomer. And God was like, no, I want you to marry Gomer. And Hosea was like, but she's a, you know that she's a prostitute, right, God? Like, you, you know everything. You know that, right? You're asking me to marry a prostitute. And God's like, yes, I want you to marry Gomer. I want to make a point through you. I'm going to use this situation to teach my people something. So, yes, Mary Gomer. And notice how he says her name. He says Gomer. He doesn't say a prostitute. He doesn't say like a random prostitute because I'm sure that she wasn't the only one. He says her name. I'm sure she was a well-known woman 
I'm sure that people knew her profession. And I'm sure that a lot of people had her business card. So she was known for what she did. And, and God wanted to make a point. Because why not use one of the most well-known prostitutes to make a grand, to make a grand point, right? Like if you're going to make that type of a point, use somebody that you're going to be able to make that point with, right? So he uses Gomer and he says, can you marry her and make a decent woman out of her? Because I want to teach my people a lesson. And the good man that he is, Hosea, he obeyed God. He married Gomer. They got married. They came together. They tried the whole process of being one. They had three kids with weird names. And um, for some reason... After the third child, after the third child was of a certain age, Gomer decided to leave. She decided that she didn't want to be with Hosea anymore. And the Bible doesn't say why, you know, but I like to speculate sometimes and I like to just kind of dig in further. And I think that, I think that Gomer was, was a woman who had been a prostitute for a long time. If she was a well-known prostitute, she might have been a prostitute for a while. And so she was used to living that lifestyle. She may have liked it. She may have been living that lifestyle for a long time. So that's what she was comfortable with. That's what she was used to. That's the lifestyle that she had known for such a long time. So for her to try and come to be this different woman with Hosea was difficult for her. It was difficult for her to come and mesh together and become one, this one godly couple for the Lord. So I'm sure she came to herself, and not came to herself, but I'm sure she had thoughts of, this isn't for me. Like, I'm not this woman. I'm not good enough. Like, look at all the stuff that I've done. I, I can't do this. So she ends up convincing herself, and she goes back to prostituting. She goes and takes on another lover, the Bible says. So let's just read it. It's I, Hosea. 3 verse 1. So Hosea, sorry, so Hosea, so Hosea has his wife Gomer leave him, and she's out in the town doing what she does, and this is what the Lord says to him. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel. Even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. So I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. We'll stop there. So can you imagine Hosea? His wife leaves him and she's already with another man. She's already doing her thing again. And God tells her, I want you to go get her. And take her back. Hosea would have been in the absolute right to say no. She left me. And she's cheating on me. Like he would have been in the, in the, in the right to not, not take her back. But you know what Hosea did? Not only did he obey God. But he saw where she was. And she met her there. She went 100 for Gomer. She went all, he went all the way for her. He had to buy her back. Something that was already his. He had to buy her back. Could you imagine Hosea going up to 
to that place. Let's say it was a marketplace. Let's say they were auctioning, let's say they were auctioning her off and he had to buy her back. Something that was already his. He had to pay for her and take her back and love her. He met her where she was at. He went 100 for her. And she took her back to where she needed to be. It didn't matter the cost. It didn't matter the humiliation. Because if you think about it, Hosea was a well-known man. Gomer was a well-known woman. People knew what was going on. So he had to walk to wherever she was at and put aside his pride, put aside his ego, and take back this woman who had left him and had moved on. And obviously had no regard for her marriage. He had to put himself totally aside for her. And meet her where she was at. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine how difficult that must have been for that man? But he did it. Because, because God told him, I am going to use your marriage to bless my people. Your marriage is going to be a testament of what I can do. And the same happens with us today. Sometimes we fight. Sometimes people fight over the dumbest things and they want to call it quits. They want to say that, they're, that they're, they're, their husband, their wife isn't worth it anymore. They want to say that it's better to divorce because I fell out of love. We don't go 100 for each other anymore. But God wants us to go 100 for each other. He wants us to go all the way for one another. That is the type of people that God came to save. That is the type of people that God wants to, wants to create us to be. That's all, of, that's all that he is. That's who he is. He goes all the way for us. And that's what he wants to instill in us. He wants us to go all the way for each other. He doesn't want us to give up. Especially in marriage. Because here I know in this church that we believe I do as I do. And that's it. No matter what. God goes all the way. So we're going to read Ephesians 5 verse 21. So Ephesians 5 verse 21 says, And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wife, wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for a husband is the head of the, I'm sorry, the husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds it and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of his body. 
As the scriptures say, a man must leave his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. <coughs> when I was reading this, um, I was just thinking about the words and just what it says, and, and it really, really spoke to me. And I thought, God, you know, for so long, I had such a bad connotation of what the word submit meant or means. Like, I would hear the word submit, and I would cringe inside with everything that I have. Like, my liver would turn backwards. Like, just everything would go haywire inside of me because I just, I hated that word submit and everything it represented. And today, as I was reading this, I told God, I said, God, I know that you guided Paul to say all of this, but why couldn't you have guided Paul to maybe say the guy part first? So it'd be an easier blow as we read it as women, like we understand it, like the guy's gonna do this for you, so you can then do this for him. You know what I'm saying, ladies? You know what I'm saying. And uh, I, told, I told God, like, why don't you inspire Paul to write it that way? But he said, you know what? Because it doesn't matter. I said, okay, can you talk to me about that some more? So the Ephesians, the people in Ephesus, they were new Christians. They were new believers. They didn't have any of the, of the baggage, like any of the bad whatever from the Israelites, from the Jewish culture, from the Jewish religion. They didn't have any of that. They were all new Christians, baby Christians, that, call sent, call, that Paul sent Timothy to instruct. New baby Christians. They used to actually worship um, the goddess Diana, who was, I don't know, she like was a goddess of like passion, love, and war. And, and so that's who they would worship before. So Paul came in with Timothy and presented this Jesus to them. And they fell in love with Christ. So the, the, the people of Ephesus didn't have any of those bad connotations, any of those bad ideas. They were fresh. So for them, it didn't matter what came first. They were getting it all, like just all pure. And God said, <coughs> he said to me, now that you know me, you know what I've done for you. That word submit shouldn't matter to you. It shouldn't have any bad connotation for you because all that word means is respect. It means respect. And for those of you that don't know, when people get married, my husband and I, we give marriage sessions. Um, and one of the things that we say is that a man, all a man really desires is to be respected. Like, that's, that's what he desires the most in his gut, in the, in the most inner part of himself from women or from his woman is respect. Like, he just wants to be respected. A man doesn't like to be belittled or humiliated or made seem small or demasculated. Wait, demasculated? Unmasculated? Emasculated, right? Yeah, that word. He doesn't like to feel that. <laughs> so for us women... The best thing that we can give our guys is respect. 
Respect and food. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for us women, what we need is we need to feel protected. If we feel protected, then we're okay. If we feel safe, then we can function properly. If we feel like the man that we have does not have his stuff together, doesn't have a job, isn't paying our bills, no, isn't paying bills, just isn't being a provider, that kind of gets us to get a little like weird. But if we feel safe and if we feel protected, then we're okay and we can both function together properly. But that's really all we need. And that's really all these verses are saying, is men, protect your women, even if it means dying for her, the way that Jesus died for his church. Die for your woman, die for your wife. Give her everything that she needs. Be that provider for her. Be her constant like I am for you. And for us women, he's saying, just show your man some love and respect. Just respect him. Show him that he matters. You know, me and Mario, we work the best when we put this to practice. When I talk to my husband and I'm sharing with him something that matters to me and he's not listening, it doesn't feel good. I don't feel like I matter. But when I'm sharing something to him, and, he, and I have his full attention, and he's not just fake listening to me, but he's actually like listening to me and engaged and cares about what I have to say, I feel good. I feel like I matter. I feel like I'm important. <coughs> and the same goes for them. So today, brothers and sisters, whether you're married or not, I want you to consider this. If you're already married, I want you to consider this. I want you to think, am I going 100 for my wife or my husband? Am I going 100 for them? Or am I just meeting them halfway? And for you, single people, you will be married one day. So the sooner that you get used to thinking this way, the sooner that you approach relationships this way, the easier marriage is going to be for you. The more pleasurable marriage is going to be for you. Because marriage is about sacrifice. But it is not a sacrifice that hurts you. So I want you to consider that. Today when you go home or when you go eat, Wherever you go, I want you to think to yourself, am I that person that gives 100 to the person that I'm committed to, to the person that I'm in love with, to the person that I'm married to? Have I gone 100 for them? Have I brought them to where they need to be? Or have I allowed them to bring me to where I need to be? Amen? Why don't we pray? As you sit there in your place, why don't you just close your eyes and just focus, just focus on your prayer right now. God did and does everything for you. He is invested in you, 
in every part of you. Last Wednesday at Bible study, we said that when God created us, he created us with everything that he had. Everything about God, he used to create us. He is so invested in us and our relationships. So right now, as you sit there, I just want you to just meditate in him. Focus on him. He just wants you to be good in your soul. He just wants you to live a happy life. He wants you to enjoy your relationships. The time that you spent in fellowship, the time that you spend with your husband or your wife. He wants us to enjoy all of that. Heavenly Father, I just, I just thank you for this day, God. I thank you, Lord, for this service. I thank you, God, for what you've been doing, God, with this church, Lord. The way that you've been speaking to us, God. The words that you've been placing inside of our hearts, God. I just thank you for that, Holy Spirit.